Good morning. It is good to be with you this morning. Let us begin with a word of prayer. God, we come to you this morning and we desire to be in your presence and we have felt your presence this morning already. We ask that this morning you open our hearts to what you have to say, to what you have to teach us, to how we might be changed by you, and to who you want us to be when we walk out those doors in about 30 minutes. God, I pray that in these moments that you use me, your servant, and that you speak through me, that my words might not be my own, but they might be yours, Lord. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. I came across a song this week um, by a guy named Travis Meadows. He's not a Christian artist, uh, but he uh, sings, uh, I think they're country songs. I, I don't know. It, it certainly came across as a, a good, like, heartfelt country song where he's uh, wallowing a little bit in his own misery. Uh, it is clear that he or the, the person in his song uh, is somebody who's seen enough of life to know its woes and its troubles uh, and has some regrets. And I'm just going to read a, a portion of the front end of this song. Uh, and he says this, he said, if I could buy myself a conscience that wasn't broken, Mend every fence I drove my hard head through. Relock all the doors I wish I had never opened. Unlearn the things I wish that I never knew. And then he goes on to say that all of these woes in life, it, it came out through the bottle. It came out through my fists. It came out way too early. I wish it never did. Uh, it sounds a whole lot better in song uh, than it does in verse, uh, but he, I assure you, it, it's actually a lovely song. Uh, but then it comes to the, the chorus of the song, and it was the chorus that really gripped me and had me th kind of thinking for a little while about it, and, uh, and it repeats itself. The song, by the way, is called Sideways, if you ever look it up, but it, it, he says this. He says, push it down, it comes out sideways push it down, it comes out sideways. Bitter roads, they turn into highways, push it down, it comes out sideways. And uh, it's worth asking, like, what is it, right? What is, push it down and it comes out sideways. What is he talking about, right? Uh, I mean, it could be any number of things in all of our lives, right? Uh, broken relationships, broken friendships, uh, hardships, uh, he, he mentions doors that he's walked through that he should not have walked through, uh, regrets, uh, hurt, uh, wounds, life's misfortunes, you know, all of those things that we, we have this tendency to push down, and, and if you push it down long enough, it just, it comes out somewhere, right? And it comes out sideways, he says. And, and for some of us, it comes out in the bottle, his song. Uh, or it comes out in his fists, right? Or it comes out in the way we treat our children or our spouses. It comes out in some, some way if you keep trying to push it down. And we can try to push it down, and, and we can pretend that it's not there, 
but it is, as the song says, he's right. It's going to come out somehow and, and some way. And it's going to come out sideways, probably in a way that we don't really expect or maybe even notice at first until someone points it out to us. And the song, at its heart, is really a song about the ways in which we all carry these burdens that kind of stack on top of each other as life goes on, right? And these are the, the personal burdens that we walk through life with. But here's the thing, uh, those are not the only things going on in the world, as we all well know. In fact, this week of all weeks, uh, I, I don't know if you felt this way, but reading the news, every time I opened a webpage or, or uh, opened, I actually opened a newspaper this week, uh, I mean, there is a, there's so much tragedy going on in our world, it's, uh, it's pretty remarkable, really, whether it is what's happening in Afghanistan, right? And um, I, I received a few text messages and emails this week uh, about a gentleman who lives here, who uh, was an interpreter for our forces, and who has uh, brothers and parents still living over in Afghanistan. He's desperate to get them out because if he can't, they may not make it. And he's already lost a cousin, right? In the last few days, he's lost a cousin. Um, I, I think of the last 20 years uh, of our U.S. Uh, war in Afghanistan, and, we, and I'm sure many of you can speak to this far better than I can uh, because you have blood, sweat, and tears in this in a way that I don't. Um, but I'm sure there are all sorts of emotions uh, surrounding that. But then it, if it's not that, it's, it's earthquakes in Haiti, it's wildfires in California, it's a hurricane that's about to hit the Northeast, I mean, it's any number of things. It's, I said this morning in the Sunday school class, uh, it's apocalyptic. It, it's uh, unfathomable how many things are going on in the world. And so whether it's uh, our own personal tragedies that Travis Meadows uh, sings about eloquently, uh, or about uh, the, the issues that the world uh, is taking on right now, it can feel overwhelming. Um, and, and our hearts, our hearts break for this. Uh, the second song we sang, and I don't even remember the name of the song, uh, had me choked up a little bit because I, I kept thinking uh, about, it was a cry, crying out for peace uh, and, uh, and, and crying out that uh, Jesus is the light in the darkness. And, and sometimes that darkness just feels so overpowering. Um, and, and I guess that's, what I want to talk about today is, is when it does, what do we do? When, when life is hard, and it is hard, right? How do we respond? Because sometimes we do push it down, and then it comes out sideways. <clears throat> and so in moments like this, uh, it is worth asking. Like, if God could speak a word to me, this is what I was asking as I was preparing for today, uh, what what would he say? What would I either want him to say or what would he actually say? Uh, and, uh, well, um, if the spirit of the day is, uh, whether it's exhaustion, sadness, just feeling worn down by the weight of the world, uh, I think my goal today uh, with the passage that we're going to read uh, is finding someone in Scripture 
who is right there with you, who is experiencing all of these things too, and he has an encounter with Jesus. And so I want to turn together uh, to Mark chapter 9, uh, verses 14 to 29. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open there. And uh, it's a passage you might know, uh, but you might not have looked too closely at before. Uh, And so let's open there together. Uh, We'll meet a distraught father, right? A distraught father whose son has an unclean spirit that has plagued him from the uh, childhood. And you can only imagine the burden that this has to be, both on the father and, of course, the son as well. Mark 9 starting in verse 14, begins this way. And when they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them and scribes arguing with them. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, that is Jesus, they were greatly amazed and they ran up to him and they greeted him. I just real quickly, don't forget this line. They are amazed and they ran up to him. And they greeted him. And he asked them, what are you arguing about with them and someone from the crowd? So there's the crowd, and then one person steps forward to speak, and he says, teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute, and whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. And he answered them, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. Um, a few things at this point, if we can just, just pause and, and take a breath. Uh, it does appear that Jesus... Uh, might not have quite the empathy in this moment that you're thinking. And so it's worth asking, who is Jesus speaking to at this point? When he says, he, he, uh, there's, there's a man that comes forward and says, I'm bringing my son to you. He, from childhood, has been uh, foaming at the mouth and has this unclean spirit. Uh, and Jesus responds, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? And um, a couple things I would want to say is, if you were to look up this story in Matthew and Luke, they both have it. Uh, They actually cut out the the section about this man uh, and his son, and it's it's very much Jesus speaking directly to his disciples at this point. I imagine the scribes too, actually, and kind of shaking them up a a little bit. And, And these disciples aren't accomplishing what they should be accomplishing by this point. And I think if there is a primary target at Jesus' words here, if he's being harsh with somebody, it's most likely his disciples, the people who are representing him, and they aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing. But there is a little bit more than that. There is a real sense in which they were living in a faithless generation. When Jesus uses this word generation, he's speaking of an age. And a Jewish belief was that there was uh, the current age, which, by the way, we are still in, and thus we too are part of this faithless generation. And then there is this age to come, 
And the age to come is probably what you think it is. Some call it heaven or the new Jerusalem or uh, post-resurrection, right? That's what we're looking to. And so uh, we are living, and they were living, in a faithless generation, as Jesus puts it. It's also not as harsh as you might think because, um, well, we'll see that, that the man who has the son who's coming to Jesus, he does adopt this language of faithlessness, or he says it, or the way it gets translated is, is belief. He's unbelieving, which feels a little nicer, I, I don't know. <laughs> Faithless sounds completely, you know, gone, whereas uh, unbelieving uh, sounds a little, a little nicer. Maybe not, maybe not. Whatever the case, it seems that what we have here is a generation who has trouble believing in the things of Jesus that things can be better and should be better. And it has trouble putting faith and trust into the ways of God. And as somebody who has walked through this last week, I confess to you that I too sometimes really have trouble with this faith thing, with the trust thing, knowing and trusting that this is going to go to God's plan somehow, some way, even when it looks like it's totally not. Even when it looks like the world has gone apocalyptic. Even when it looks like the world is on fire. And maybe so is your life. And so in this story, we have a few set of characters. We've got your scribes and your disciples, but I'm just going to ignore them for the rest of the sermon. I'm much more interested in the others, and that is the crowds, and specifically this man, and of course Jesus. In some ways, the uh, man is representative of the crowd. When he steps forward from the crowd, at some point he actually recedes back into the crowd, and he's representative of all of them. Let's keep going. Verse 20 continues this way. They brought the boy to him, to Jesus. And when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy. And he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And it has often cast him into fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us, is what the man says. And I would say to you, do not skip over these lines too quickly. In fact, if anything, put yourself into the shoes of this man. Not just in this moment, but perhaps trying to envision what his whole life was like. Because this is where his life intersects with your life. He's been living this life of, of pain and anguish and helplessness. And it's all coming to the surface when he meets Jesus in this moment. And he's crying out to him. And he says to him, if you can do anything, have compassion. 
help me. And the word compassion here is, is a, uh, as, as emotional a word you can get, it literally means like the, the moving of the, the stomach and the churning of the insides. And he wants Jesus to feel what he's feeling, right? That his world has been turned upside down and has been turned upside down for way too long. And he, he, he's crying out for some kind of help. I would also say that as somebody who, uh, this man now, uh, it, it's not just him who is struggling, it's his child, right? And wrestling with one's own pain and one's uh, own problems is difficult enough, and it, it's awful enough, but wrestling with the pain of a child, your own child, is a psychological burden that must be very hard to bear. And if you've ever had a child in the hospital, then you know what I'm talking about. You would trade places with that child in a second if you could. But of course you can't, and thus you feel helpless, which is why this man is crying out for compassion and for help. For this father, I actually imagine, I, I can imagine him singing the Travis Meadows song that we started with. And he's pushing down, over all these years that he's gone through, he's pushing down the pain that he has wrestled with, the helplessness that he has felt. And I imagine it has come out all kinds of different ways. And now it's coming out in the form, yes, of helplessness, but maybe even faithlessness. And it's coming out in the form of, if you can do anything, his words. And it comes out in the form of a cry for compassion and for help. And so Jesus says to him, these are the next lines. Jesus says to him, if you can, there should be a nice big question mark after that, right? With an exclamation point. If you, because he's, he's repeating the lines of the man. The man says, if you can help me, please help me. And Jesus says, if you, if you can all things are possible for the one who believes. And immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. And I love everything about these two verses. These two verses are filled with some of the most uh, honest writing that might exist in the whole New Testament, which is saying a lot, I know, but uh, it's it really gets you inside uh, of this person. Jesus says, if you can, right? If you can. And then he said, all things are possible. And this should give us all hope, shouldn't it, right? All things are possible. But I imagine us in our faithless generation might have trouble believing that sometimes that all things are indeed possible. I know sometimes I do. And from talking to most of you, I know that you do too. All things are possible. Do you believe that? And then he says, in what has to be one of the most heart-wrenching lines, 
I believe help my unbelief. Which again, this word unbelief here is the exact same word as faithless. It's just a different part of speech. Same word. Pistis, pistas is, is faith or faithful. Uh, and then you put an alpha in front of it, which means not. Same word, right? And so he is living in the faithless generation, and he says, I believe, help me with my faithlessness. I know I'm part of the problem, but I want to believe. I need to believe, because I need there to be something out there that's bigger than myself, and that has answers to my life's problems. And I'll say this, if you've never cried, I believe, help my unbelief, then I would just simply say, you are simply not as honest as this father is. Because there have been enough times in my life where my unbelief gets in my way and I cry out to God, I want to believe. I need to believe. I've got this thing that's bigger than me and it's weighing on me, and I need to believe. I need that faith. And I'd say in this moment, a moment like this, and frankly, a moment of most of our real true faith, that kind of faith is a gift from God. We don't often think about faith this way. We, we think about grace this way, that God's grace is a gift to us, and that maybe faith is like our part of it. And I don't want to take away from the fact that we play a, a part in faith. But just as much as we play it, it too is a gift from God. Our faith is a gift from God. The story continues. When Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out, and the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said, He's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, and he lifted him up, and he, lifted him up, and he arose." Now, uh, if this whole sermon, uh, you've been thinking to yourself, wow, I do not resonate with anything uh, that the pastor is saying today. Uh, I'm in a really good place, and I don't know what he's talking about. Uh, I have tremendous amounts of faith. Well, first of all, uh, I, I'm very happy that that is the place you're in today, and I mean that with sincerity. Uh, but this maybe, if that is you, and, and again, in all sincerity, this is where you come in, okay? You see, uh, this is where the crowds come in. And if you recall, here's what happens at the beginning of the story. It's the crowds who come, what do they come? They come running to Jesus. And then the man steps out of the crowd. He has this interaction with Jesus. And then it's not that, the, the, that Jesus says, uh, I appreciate this man's uh, faithful faithlessness or faithless faithfulness or however you might want to say it. Uh, it's that he says what? He says, when Jesus saw that the crowd came running to him. 
There was something about the crowd running to him. And that the, all the, the, the army of people that joined this one man, right? Those people who were with him on that day. Something about them running together. Jesus says, well, he rebukes the unclean spirit. And it comes out of him. And so if you have a role to play today, maybe you are that father today. Maybe that is who you are. And you need to cry out to Jesus, I believe, help my unbelief. And believe me, I resonate with that too. But maybe, just maybe, you need to be part of that crowd today. You need to be part of the, the crew that is, is walking with that father, side by side, running with that father pointing him to Jesus, getting him to the place and to the person that can give him the help that he needs, the answer that is the answer. I would venture to say that this is probably 90% of my job as a pastor, is I'm the crowd. I'm just trying to push you all to the person who has the answer. And I would also venture to say that this should be your role in life too, with your friends and your family and with us, the church, that we're all pushing each other to that answer, to Jesus. It's worth noting, um, the crowd isn't necessarily uh, as... uh, believing, as, as you might wish for them to be. They do uh, seem to have a little trouble with it as well. Uh, I don't know if you caught it uh, there at the end. So Jesus commands the Spirit to come out, and then what happens next? Well, it comes out, but the boy's just laying there, and it was like he was a corpse, so that most of the crowd said, most of, more than 50% of the crowd said, He's dead. Way to go, Jesus. (laughs) And there's this moment of unbelief, right? And there it is, that unbelief sitting right next to the belief. He's dead. And then in the next verse, but Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. I think I have two words this morning, and I'm hoping they're God's words. One would be this. If you're the father figure this morning, and you have been weighed down, uh, whether it's by this week or a lifetime uh, of, of pushing it down and things coming out sideways, uh, I would point you to Jesus, right? And, and I would say to you, I would encourage you to cry out to him and to say, I believe, help my unbelief. And to begin to offload some of that burden that you've been pushing down for way too long. And I would also say that if you're the crowd, that you look around and you find those people who are burdened and who are weighed down and who are indeed pushing it down and it's coming outside, maybe it's coming outside sideways at you 
and you're like, I don't want to help that person. <laughs> they keep hurting me, or they keep doing this thing. Well, it's probably because they have a burden of their own, and our job is to point them again to the one who can take that burden from them. The last thing I'll say is this. I came across a, a Latin phrase I hadn't uh, come across before, and I'm a uh, sucker for Latin phrases, uh, and, and it's uh, a, a phrase that sits on a plaque uh, outside of a, um, a labyrinth, if you know what a labyrinth is in, New, in North Carolina, and, um, and the phrase says, Salvatore ambulando, which means it is solved by walking. It is solved by walking. And the idea behind the phrase is that if you are struggling this morning, that the thing you should do is simply take a step. Just one step. To, to get that process of solving going, right? To move in the right direction. One step. Because if you take that one step, it is quite likely you will take that next step and that next step. And then if you have the people or a crowd with you, who knows? That walking may turn into running at some point. And we should all pray that that running is toward the one who can help you in a way that nobody else can. Toward Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. Let's pray. Jesus, I imagine what that day must have been like for you as you see a man coming to you who indeed has been weighed down so much. And you hear his words that he, he believes, but he, he uh, is still filled with unbelief. And he needs help with that because he wants to help his son. Well, Jesus, we are sons of the Father, and we come this morning asking for your help, Father God. And we know that you are a good Father, a Father who offers help to his children when we cry out to you. God, if there is someone this morning in need of that help, may they cry out to you. Pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.